Good morning, Africa. Oil prices jumped above $80 this week for the first time in almost three years, handing a major boost to producers but fueling more inflationary pain for consumers. Our analysts will break down what that means for African countries that lie on both ends of the spectrum. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial and you can find me at The Dong. The price of Brent crude oil hit $80.75 per barrel on Tuesday, attaining the highest level since October 2018, but edged lower on Wednesday. The market has surged on expectations for strong demand and concerns about tight supplies as the world slowly emerges from the pandemic crisis. Dr. Ezra Munyambonera, a development economist and consultant based in Kampala, Uganda, gives context to the upward shift of the oil price. Yeah, the, I said the, the, the major cause is the, 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 the emergence of the, 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 the aggressive winter that has emerged in Europe and the Northern Hemisphere. Now, the, you know, the winter, heavy requirements, heavy winters require a lot of oil and gas, especially gas for heating houses and for oil for the manufacturing sector. Now, in a situation where the, the countries are struggling to revive their economies uh, post the COVID-19 uh, shock, there is high demand for these products to, 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 to revive their factories, to put back people to work, to, 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 produce, to sustain production in the economy for both the domestic and export market. So there is this demand for these products. And you know, in terms of production, the, these, these products are limited in terms of control in terms of production. You know, oil is controlled under opaque countries. And for them, they can easily just depending on the global pressure by just... Regulating pump prices, that can be a short-term measure. But for gas, 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 because the gas sector is highly controlled and they, because their production exports are from limited countries led by Russia and Norway, the production processes cannot easily respond to the, so the this immediate, immediate shock in prices, cannot easily be met by, this production of gas cannot be met in the short run. It, is, it has a ragged effect in terms of processes and in terms of control. So that is an issue which is happening globally now. That the, what is the major cause? Of course, the effect in oil prices, gas and gas, mm. has a, a wider effect on the whole global economy. One, Europe imports more than 40% of oil products, oil and gas, from all producer countries. Mm. That means the high demand, the escalating demand in Europe has got a corresponding escalating demand in other countries because majority of the countries are struggling to put back the economy back into production, especially manufacturing. Mm. So there is now a shortage of, of these controlled products in the market and as they are needed. So it is now there is a very high competition for these products as countries struggle to put back the economy back into production post-COVID era. While many African countries are yet to feel the impact of these global changes, Dr. Ezra Munyambonera says the runaway oil prices will stoke inflationary pressures because they lift manufacturing costs, which translates into higher consumer prices. There are multiple effects on African economies. The, the fact that the shortages of oil and gas are going to affect production, especially like in China, in Asia, especially manufacturing sector in China and all of that, that means the, the import of these products is there's going to be excess demand for these products from China and all of that, and that will be affect prices domestically. Because we, Africa and Uganda impose intermediate products for manufacturing and all of that. What does it mean that if China has shortages uh, in the production of these commodities, especially cement and all of that, arising from a shortage in terms of input of these oil and gas in the manufacturing sector? That's mm-hmm. one major effect you are going to see. 
Now, another effect, the direct effect is about the, the price effect on, on petroleum products, especially like petroleum and diesel. These are used in what in manufacturing and the transport sector. So the, the high prices automatically will affect the, the operations of the manufacturing sector, you know, leading to say rational, rationalizing production, the transport sector, you know, internal economic activities like food transport will be affected. There will be increased results and increase in the prices. And, you know, may reduce, this will be to reduce the demand and the consumption and can affect the economy in the short run. And this is what is what the dynamics which takes place along a, along a commodity supply and the demand and the price differentials will increase under demand. Prices up affects production, consumption, transportation, all of that. Long term, Dr. Munyambunair says African governments should be looking at setting up oil reserves to stave off the effects of oil price shocks. He is also quick to add that long-term, African countries will shake off the effects of the upward swing of oil prices because of the small manufacturing sector on the continent that accounts for only 10% of global oil usage. You know, the, the, the African countries, uh, majority of them, most of them, are, 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 their economies are not doing well in terms of internal revenue generation. Mm. Like, say, Uganda, we, our internal revenue capacity generation has fallen from, from about 14 to 11, 11, about 11% of GDP. That means there is a, there is a because now the, the, the only way solution now would be the, the countries could have prepared reserves because Uganda we had... They, they had prepared reserves a long time ago. I'm wondering the implementation of these reserves. Mm. Because this, this shock of oil or shortage and all of that can be met by having what's called reserves, sufficient reserves, where they actually the, the, the policymakers have been saying it by words. I, I, because the extent say, why is it that over 10 years you have been, Uganda has talked about creating reserves and making access to the sea, I think the short run, the, the short run measure may not necessarily be there. The prices will be, be left to go up. Uh, I don't see a government response to, 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 to actually to support the importers. They will be left to the market dynamics, borrowing from international foreign, international foreign institutions and all of that. So, so they, they, I don't see the, the country giving the, the pandemic shock coming in to support the, the importers because after all, majority of these importers are foreign based. We are talking about to these big oil companies, you know. They are globally network. They cannot fail to get resources to actually continue importing, even if at a high relative prices. Because this is a global phenomenon, and these oil companies are global based. So they can always raise resources internationally mm. to finance, to sustain importation in the African economies, including Uganda. After all, African economies don't consume more than 10% of the global oil. So we are talking about uh, that. One is, for example, the, the oil is needed in the heavy manufacturing, mm. and where Africa, the heavy manufacturing sector has not developed, we're only talking about light manufacturing, the agriculture value chain, value, value, value addition developments, the service sector. So I, I think that the demand is in terms of importation can be sustained by these by these uh, oil companies uh, by really raising resources from their reserves they have accumulated over the years. So these guys have accumulated in, uh, sufficient resources that they can sustain financing their businesses across the world. After all, they are major beneficiaries. So we don't see any big effect. Of course, the prices are going to rise, uh, not necessarily at the level of Europe, of course, because the, uh, the demand for these products for Africa is a bit inelastic.
mm. not necessarily because our manufacturing sector is growing is, 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 is you know our manufacturing sector is still low uh, maybe where the these products can be used you don't expect a significant rapid growth that would actually create excess demand for this product it's about sustaining what has been in place to put the activities back uh, during the post covid era it's about sustaining that level and i don't expect much more increase in prices here compared to europe where they say the prices have reached up to about 500% uh, level this year because of that type of impact heavy manufacturing you know in europe how it is the economy is mm. so you can't compare its consumption level of these products to africa no african countries the majority of them are and you know so you're talking about 10% activity in the economy depending on this oil and gas so we expect yeah. uh not highly significant effect but mm. it will be relative because this is a short-term thing the winter is about three to four months if you expect the mild weather to come in europe that means they will substitute the their gas to maybe production in the industries and all of that so all of those are dynamics which affects the this natural resource However, it's not all gloom on the continent. Higher oil prices will benefit the net producers of petroleum products like Nigeria and Angola by boosting their tax revenues. Dr. Ezra Munyambonera, one more time. Of course, the increase in, in, in export prices for, for oil of the OPEC countries will, will, be, will have a, a significant economic impact to these economies, estimating their demands, even investment, supporting investment within the economies. Sudan being a poor economy and all that, so, so if prices now are likely to move to 100 barrels per, dollars per barrel, so that means you expect a, a high increase in the export revenues that comes into the economy. It, it has a lot of implications in terms of getting foreign exchange money for investment in, the, in, 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 the, in for internal investment in manufacturing sector, in the industry in e-commerce, in the service sector and all of that. So it has a bigger might bigger impact to these economies at high prices of oil because that is a for exchange revenue. Sudan doesn't have any other alternative foreign exchange earning. Mm. Uh, Nigeria still, you see, it has also the, the, its dependence on oil. The, the, the crunch in oil prices actually have affected Nigeria and, and some of these producer countries in Africa. So this is a time that they can reap but also to depend how rational they are going to invest their money in the economy other than trying to, you know, corruption wide in Africa. But, but there will be a significant impact for both people in production and export of these oil products. That was Dr. Ezra Munyambonera, a development economist and consultant based in Kampala, Uganda. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. An investigation by Wilma Hale, a U.S.-based law firm, has found that top World Bank officials irregularly entered false data to boost and alter scores of four countries in the Doing Business reports. The countries are China, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and Azerbaijan. The findings are contained in a September 16th report that details how senior World Bank officials, after they were put under pressure by particularly China and Saudi Arabia, changed data entries into the Doing Business reports. The officials, according to the report, included senior staffers in the office of the then World Bank president, Jim Yong Kim, who admits to attending some of the meetings that discussed the alterations. For instance, the report notes that after Saudi Arabia had expressed concern 
Over its positioning, meetings were held, leading to alterations in which its data was manipulated in the 2020 Doing Business report to leapfrog Jordan. The National Social Security Fund has declared an interest rate of 12.15% for the financial year 2020-2021. The rate declared translates into a total of 1.52 trillion Uganda shillings, about $429 million, that will be credited to the members' accounts, higher than the 1.14 trillion Uganda shillings, about $322 million, that was paid to members in the previous financial year. The 12.15% interest rate is higher than the 10.75 interest rate declared last financial year, demonstrating the fund's resilience to withstand shocks occasioned by a stressed economy and uncertain business environment. South Africa's long-divided mining unions are forging a united front against the industry's largest employer as they declared a dispute over wage negotiations with Sibanya Steelwater. The National Union of Mine Workers, Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union, and UASA and Solidarity will hold an unprecedented joint press conference over issues with the company on October 1st. Collectively, they're asking for a monthly pay raise of 1,500 rand for workers in Sibania's gold mines. The deal would run over each of the next three years. A united labor force will present a different dynamic for South African mining companies. NUM and AMCU, the biggest unions in the gold sector, have previously refused to sit at the same negotiating table with a history of violent clashes between their members. And in our markets report, we start with Uganda. Wednesday's session saw activity on the demand side mainly from interbank and offshores that led to a weakening of the unit to close the day at 3535-3545 from yesterday's close of 3525-3535. Money markets were liquid with overnight yields at averages of 6.45%. Bank of Uganda mopped up excess liquidity through a one-day repo. The central bank held a 280 billion Uganda shilling treasury bill auction and yields cleared at averages of 6.9%, 8.2% and 9.5% in the 91-day, 182-day and 364-day tenors respectively. At the Randa Stock Exchange, at the end of the formal trading hours on the Bank of Kigali counter, there was an outstanding offer of 29,200 shares at 250 rand francs and no bids. On the MTNR counter, there were outstanding offers of 765,800 shares between 200 and 220 rand francs and no bids. On the BLR counter, there were outstanding offers of 90,100 shares between 120 and 125 rand francs and an outstanding bid of 15,000 shares at 115 rand francs. On the CMR counter, there was an outstanding offer of 110,200 shares at 120 rand francs and no bids. On the IMR counter, there were outstanding offers of 475,100 shares between 45 and 47 rand francs and also no bids. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me on Twitter at Withadon. <laughs>